Your grace.
Good morning, everyone. Nice to see everyone here. Um, we'll make a start because we've got, I've got an extra song I want to squidge in, basically. Um, so would you like to stand? So as I was preparing this week, um, I had a few verses that um, came to mind, um, and Sarah's just going to read them for us this morning. Okay, so it's from Matthew 5, verse 10. And the introduction to the Sermon on the Mount. Now when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on the mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him, and he began to teach them. He said, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. So let's praise God together.
turn me on, please? Thanks. Cheers. Um, yeah, well, I feel like I've just done a marathon. Um, can we come together in prayer? There's lots to pray about this morning, so please stay with me. Um, Lord, we just come to you this morning, and we just thank you that we can worship you freely, boldly. We can shout your name, Lord, and we just thank you for that. Father, we think about the, the girl Leah, whose 20th birthday is today, and uh, she's in Nigeria, and uh, when she was 14, uh, they got taken, or they took a group of girls to a camp, and they said to them, you have to say that you're Islam, and she said, no, I'm a Christian, and because she stood up, she has now been in prison for all that time, and they've asked us today to pray as a world, to pray as a church family for for Leah and her family, for Rebecca, her father, and Nathan, and Rebecca, her mother, and Nathan, her father. And Lord, we just lift them up that today, Lord, we just pray that she will be set free. Lord, it's her 20th birthday, Lord. She spent six years in there for you. We just pray that you will release her, Lord. And we just continue to pray for her. And Father, we just lift up uh, our town, we lift up our country, and we lift up this world to you. There's so much going on, Lord. We could spend all day going through all the prayer points, Lord, but you know what's on our hearts, and we just lift that up to you now. Father, we, uh, we just pray for our young people who, whose exams start this week. Lord, we pray for Noah and Ella, whose A-levels are this week. We pray for Skye, and we pray for Harry Kinchin, whose uh, GCSEs start this week. Lord, we pray for Toby and Millie as their performances and their, um, their rehearsals for their final show is in the next two weeks, Lord. We know that this next few weeks is really tough for them, for all of them, and we just pray that you will just be with them. And Lord, we just continue to pray for um, your direction. This is a month where we are coming together to pray for our church, for our building, for the project where you want us to go, Lord, for your direction. And Father, we just pray that you will guide us, that you will speak to us, that you will lead us, Lord, to where you want us to go. Lord, we just thank you for everything that you have done in our lives. Lord, I look out and I just think, and how amazing that Roger's here this morning. Just praise God that Roger's here. Lord, we just thank you that your healing hand, Lord, is over us. Lord, we just come to you now in the silence and just lift our own prayers up to you. Yes, Father, as we, um, as, as we end now and I, and I continue to talk about the, the ways that we can pray, Lord. I just pray that 
you will speak to us and show us um, how you want us as a church to move on in this town, in your place. Amen. So uh, this week, um, well, the last two weeks we've been praying for this church and we're continuing to do so. Um, how many of you have got 10 minutes free in a day? Got 10 minutes free, anyone? 10 minutes, yeah? 10 minutes? Oh, come on, you all have. When you clean your teeth, you can pray. Um, I want to encourage you to, um, at the end of service, George and I and the prayer team are going to be over there. Uh, we've started a prayer chain for um, praying for this church. Um, it's 10 minutes. You just sign up. You just pray 10 minutes a day. That's all we ask. Uh, you pray. You move on to the next person. And you just do it every day on that time slot. Okay? Um, so please, we'd love to fill it. We, there's a team of us who have been doing it for about a week now. Um, and it's good, isn't it? The people are doing it. It's good. Um, and we now know it works. So we're now telling you lot because we didn't want to do it if it didn't work. But it works. So we're, we're continuing it. Uh, so that's really exciting. So please come and see us at the end. Um, there's also, how many of you are up at 6 o'clock on Monday morning? Yep. Congratulations, you lot. I'm not. Um, I'm in bed. Um, prayer meeting tomorrow to pray for um, the church and direction on Zoom. Uh, and then if you're a late hour, Kelly, me and you, 10 o'clock, Frida, 10 o'clock tomorrow night. Any of you that are up, come and pray with us tomorrow night uh, at 10 o'clock on Zoom uh, to continue to pray uh, for the church. Uh, it's a really exciting time. Uh, the other prayer meetings are still going on. We're just adding additional ones. Uh, Wednesday night is Wednesday night worship, so we've got prayer in there as well. Uh, so lots going on, uh, but let's just continue lifting up uh, this building, this project uh, to the Lord. Can I invite Steve and can I invite Craig and can I invite Ian to come up and uh, for Frida and for John and Barbara, please? I just want to... Um, just spend some time praying for uh, Craig and Ian as they go to Burkina Faso um, and uh, pray for Kate as well, who's unwell. And uh, yeah, just uh, just want to invite you guys up to pray. Uh, not too much of an announcement, but, but uh, for those who don't know, Craig and Ian are heading to Burkina Faso to see one of our missionaries uh, tomorrow. Uh, unfortunately, the missionary they're going to see, Kate's not been well, so we need to pray for her uh, as well. So let's um, spend some time. I'm delighted that John and Barbara and Frieda as part of the, prayer team, uh, the mission team are, are here as well. Let's pray for them. Father, you call us to go and make disciples of all nations. And we thank you for the specific call on Kate's life uh, to work with those uh, street boys in West Africa. We thank you for the wonderful uh, joy uh, that emanates from, uh, from who she is. We thank you for her heart and passion for those boys that she, uh, that she works with and the girls as well. We thank you for the fruit we're seeing from that uh, uh, of these boys and girls coming to know you. And in this time that Craig and Ian have got with her, we pray that would be such an encouragement, such a blessing to Kate. That she'd be so encouraged uh, uh, from, from what Ian and uh, Craig can bring over in terms of words of encouragement, in terms of gifts. But similarly, Craig and Ian would be encouraged by what they see over there as well. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you.
for your love and your care. Thank you again for Kate, for all that she does in your name, Lord. You know she's feeling very low right this minute. We just pray that you'll wrap your arms around her. I believe this is a devil's attack because he doesn't want Craig and Ian to go. He doesn't want them to see the great work that's being done there. Lord, just you've defeated Satan already. He's a defeated foe, but just throw him out this time, Lord, we pray. Just pray for Kate, that you'll strengthen her, that you'll encourage her, you'll comfort her, and ask for journeying mercies and blessing and help for Craig and Ian. And thank you for their desire to go and pray that it might truly be a blessing to them and to Kate and to all of us as they come back and tell us all about it. Thank you, Lord, for all that you're doing. We bless you and praise you in your precious name. Amen. Lord, I pray especially as they go through passport control uh, and those visas that are not completely right, Lord, will you bless and at both ends. And uh, I pray too about customs, that they'll be able to get through with their luggage and the footballs and the jewellery, plastic, and all the other things that they're taking. Lord, will you watch over them at the airports, I pray, as we ask for a, a safe journey. In Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I want to pray for the wives, one each, being left behind. Thank you that they're willing to let their husbands go on this trip. And Lord, I just pray you'll give them peace in their hearts. Um, they may be able to keep in touch, they may not. But we just pray, Lord, that you will be with uh, Linda uh, and with Kelly and the rest of the families, uh, knowing that these two men are safe in your hands because you, you've called them and you're going with them. And you will protect them and bring them back safely. Keep them free from any illness, we pray, any infection, and may they come back rejoicing in what you're doing and, and able to share with us uh, a vision of, of, of what is possible when, we, when, a, when a person like Kate just devotes themselves to your will. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. And Father, we just pray for us as a church that we will continue to pray for Ian and Craig during their time there, Lord, that we will pray for their protection, that you will protect them, that you, they will feel your presence in all that they do. Lord, that you will show them what you want them to see. And Father, I pray for those things. I pray that um, the pictures that we've seen will be true in, in uh, Craig and Ian's memories and stories when they come back. I just pray that they have a great time and actually really just enjoy it and just love seeing you at work, Lord. So, Father, we just pray, pray over them. We just pray for a blessing, Lord, and we just pray for safety on their travels. And we pray all these things in your precious name. Amen. What day do you return? What day is the return? So you're going Monday. Okay, so you're going this Monday. Monday the 2nd. Tomorrow. So Monday to Friday night, and then the back Saturday, yeah? Yeah. Cool. Thank you. Okay, children, we're going to pray you out now. Um, we wanted you to be involved. Uh, kids, I want you to have a think about when you could pray for the building, and you can pray for for Craig, and I just want you to think about when, when have you got time uh, to, to pray for all the things, because you're as important as we are for praying. All right, so uh, Lord, we just thank you for our amazing children. Lord, we thank you that you have blessed us abundantly. And we just pray that as they go out now, that they will meet with you 
and they will grow in their faith and their love for their Savior. Lord, just be with them, we pray. Be with the leaders. Be with all the helpers, Lord. If we need more up there, just tell us to go, Lord. Just be with them, we pray. Amen. We'd have to Kelly. this part of the service it's so great just to see the young people go like see how many there are yeah so if you haven't got a seat you know come and join us but I don't think you know the trend of churches declining is happening here which is a great thing praise God so I've got a few notices to share with you this morning it's lovely to see you and before I do that I just want to um, break welcome tradition for a moment um, and before I say anything, please, I'm not going to mention any names, so as soon as I start, please don't freak out if you know it's associated with you. But welcome to Edition, we normally celebrate people's birthdays if their birthday's on a Sunday. But I know this week we've had a few lovely ladies who have had birthdays this week, um, some of them big birthdays. Um, so I just want to say to you, if you've had a birthday this week, that we love you, we celebrate you, we are thankful for you, um, and we just honour you this morning. So happy birthday. If it was your birthday this week, you know who you are. Just give them a round of applause. We normally sing, but I'm not singing for anyone, so we'll, we'll clap. <laughs> okay, so as I was preparing the notices this morning, um, Acts 2 came into my mind, and uh, there's a few verses in Acts that talk about the, the fellowship of the believers and, and them gathering together and them breaking bread and fellowship and prayer. And as I was doing the notices, it came into my mind, this verse, about when we're all together and what we do and how these are opportunities these when we talk about notices they're opportunities for us to practice as as a believers of one fellowship these things you know they're not just events you know they're not just events that we put on they're there for fellowship they're for, they're for building up each other they're they're for teaching um, as well and also you know they're important so as I go through these, these notices, bear that in mind. Acts 2, 42 to 47, if you want to check it out, um, about the fellowship of the believers. Um, and just in that, it talks about prayer as well, that they devoted themselves to prayer. And we've heard some amazing opportunities where you can gather and pray. Um, another one is where it talks about the meeting together. They met together. And we've got so many wonderful home groups um, in this church on various days at various times. So if you're not part of a home group, Speak to Jeremy, and he will direct you to people. He will say, this home group's on that day. But because we really want to get people together. We really want it. This Sunday mornings are great, but it's not what it's just about. It's about becoming a family and getting together and doing life with each other. So if you're not part of a, uh, a home group, speak to Jeremy. Worship Wednesdays, this Wednesday from half past seven. So if you want to come and join us and worship and be part of that fellowship, um, please, that's at half past seven on this Wednesday. Also, as part of this kind of Acts 2 fellowship of believers about the teaching and things, after the service upstairs, Lizzie, Steve and Craig are going to meet with people who are interested in joining the youth team. Okay, so Lizzie is our youth leader. She's the youth ministry team leader. 
Um, and they're going to be meeting upstairs. There is great cake, by the way. Okay, I've seen it. Um, so they're going to be meeting upstairs in the youth lounge. If you are interested, you're not going to be committing to anything, so don't feel as soon as you step through the door, that's it, you've signed up. Um, just go up there if you've got questions or you're maybe interested in maybe helping out on a regular basis, on a semi-regular basis. They'd just be keen to see you up there and just have a chat with you about that. So that's straight after the service upstairs. I have to write all this down, otherwise I would have forgotten. Um, ladies, this one is for you. On Saturday the 27th of May from 2 till 4 p.m., we're going to be holding a craft cake and chat afternoon. Um, we're going to be doing some craft. Thank you, Linda. Uh, we're going to be um, eating some cake or something sweet. And we're just going to use it as an opportunity to get together and just fellowship with one another. So there's gonna, that's on Saturday the 27th of May, 2 till 4. So we're doing it in the afternoon this time. I will send an email out with the sign-up link. It is a free event. So it is free. So you don't have to pay anything, and I will send the link out, but we do need to, you to sign up for numbers. But what we're asking is if you come along and you join us for that, bring something to share. So it's kind of like a, a bring and share, if you like. Bring something sweet, a cake, you know, some biscuits. I don't mind if it's homemade or you get Mr. Kipling to help you out um, with that. But please, there's some, Linda's got some lovely craft organized for that. Uh, it's going to be really simple, so don't worry. You don't have to be, you know, an expert in felting or crochet or anything like that. Um, just come along and you can stick bits on bits of paper bags as I go. <laughs> so that I'll send an email out for that um, uh, in the next week uh, to do with that with the sign up. But like I said, it is free. There's no charge. Just bring a cake or something. Um, so if you read that passage in Acts 2, you'll know that 45, uh, verse 45 talks about giving and about the apostles and the disciples. They sold what they had uh, to help the needy. And we as a church, we do wonderful things in this church for people outside of church, or outreach events. So, for example, Nibble and Natter, every other week, they serve a free meal to, what, over 30 people, Sharon? Yeah? Every other week. That's a free meal that people can come and get. And obviously, we have to pay for that. Okay? So that's part of the giving. You know, we give out of what we have. You know, and there's other examples, you know, that where we have bought shopping for people, we've paid for boilers to be fixed. And also, when we think about our giving, it goes towards the maintenance of this place, you know, as well, paying the bills for it, paying the heating and things. So we have to, you know, think about that. Acts 2.45 talks about them selling possessions to give to the needy. You know, and we... Some of us aren't called to serve in ministry, so some of us can't get to nibble in Natter and give that way on a Tuesday. But actually, we're called as a fellowship of believers to give to the work of the church. And which is, you know, if you call yourself a member of this church, of, of um, you know, a member, not member, a believer in this church, then we are called to give. And, you know, giving is part of our worship. It's what we do as a Christian, to give glory to God. You know, it is part of our worship as well. We can come on Wednesday evening to the worship evening, great. We can pray on a Monday morning and a Monday evening if you're that dedicated and you don't sleep. But actually, we're called to give too. And I just want to quickly share with you ways that you can give at Welcome. There's lots of ways that you can give. One way that you can give, if you're like me, 
you uh, don't carry cash or just, you're just really forgetful, is you can set up a standing order or a direct debit. I'm not sure which one is which, um, to be honest with you. But you can do that, so you can give regularly. If you want to do that, uh, speak to Craig and I'm sure... Or Barry, Barry, you know, Barry will know how to, you can give via standing order. So if you like to do that. Another way you can do is if you have cash and you bring it with you, there's a letterbox out in the foyer, you can just pop it in there and that's collected every week. Also on the wall outside, there are QR codes that you can scan, fill in your details and give that way um, if you're a bit tech savvy. Or there's um, a welcome leaflet out on the, the table out there that you can fill in and just drop it in the letterbox as well. So I just wanted to mention about giving because it is important, it is something we have to do. Because if something like Nibble and Natter, if one week they get over 80 people, for example, you know, we need to be able to fill that need and meet that need. You know, if we're called to go out and share, you know, with the world and, and, and you know, help people in difficult circumstances, we need to be able to meet that need. You know, if, if energy prices rise anymore in winter, we need to be able to pay the heating bill. Okay, so it's just something to be mindful. And Acts 2.45, you know, or Acts 2 in those verses tells us about being a fellowship of believe, believers of the fellowship and what we need to do in that. Okay, so I'm just going to hand over to Craig now so he can come up and share the message. Um, morning, everybody. Now, there's some really strange noises coming from the back up there. So, um, I, I think <laughs> sorry for everybody at the back there. I don't know what the youngsters are doing. Um, uh, they're having a great time by the sounds of it. But uh, can everybody hear me at the back here? Have I actually turned myself on? Let's have a look. Yes, I have. Good. Good, good, good. Is everybody, uh, I hope no one's too hot. We have opened some windows. Uh, so feel free to open them a bit more if you need to. I'm not going to rub it in, but uh, a Wagadugu is uh, 39 uh, the last time I looked. So, you know, I'll think of you when it's raining in the UK. No, I won't. I will. Of course I will. Of course I will. Good. Good, good, good. So if you have your Bibles with you, please turn with me to Luke 12. We're starting Luke 12. We're getting there, aren't we? Praise God. Luke 12. Luke 12, starting from verse 1. In the meantime, when so many thousands of people had gathered together that they were trampling one another, he, Jesus, began to say to his disciples, firstly, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. Nothing is covered up that will not be revealed, or hidden that will not be known. Therefore, whatever you have said in the dark shall be heard in the light, and what you have whispered in private rooms shall be proclaimed on the rooftops. Heavenly Father, it's a privilege to open your word. It's an honour for us to uh, hear your wisdom. And we just ask that this morning... Lord, you give us ears to hear and hearts to receive uh, the message that you have for us. Lord, help me just to be a mouthpiece of you. 
Help me to be transparent. Help your people to only ever hear you and see you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, within the English language, this word hypocrisy is a word that has been used and practiced for many, many, many years. The term comes from uh, the Latin hypocrisis, meaning to play, or it's a play act, if you will, a pretense. Further back, and you can see this both in classical uh, Greek and in the New Testament Koine Greek, and it has that same idea. It's to play a part, to pretend, if you will. Simply put, hypocrisy is an act or behaviour that contradicts a person's behaviour or feeling, i.e., when a person says one thing and they themselves then go and do something completely different or, n or not do what they've told you to do. That is hypocrisy. I'm sure many people's minds are starting to you know, wander here. Where are we going with this today? Because this is something that does affect us all. Hypocrisy generally, or should I say, those who um, practice knowingly or sometimes unknowingly generally express themselves as having a higher moral grounding than the person who they are being hypocritical towards or the situation in which they're being hypocritical towards. But in reality, they don't. But what is true is that we can all every single one of us fall foul to hypocrisy. It is ingrained in our lives and the lives around us. And sometimes we do it without even realising. And if I was to put a show of hands up, I'm sure you could think of a moment where you've been hypocritical. Sometimes it's just come out. I know I have in the past. Very easy to do. But here are some examples of hypocrisy in the world around us. Maybe supporting the rights of those working on farms, being a, a champion of the cause, but then complain when you go to a farmer's market and the prices are too high. Maybe um, thinking and knowing that gossip is bad, but then repeating to your friends something that you've been told in confidence. It's another one that's very easy to do. Agreeing that child labour is, is wrong and then not checking the labels from the clothes in the shops that you buy. Where did they come from? How were they made? Was there any extortion involved? Telling our partners, our uh, our spouses, our children, to stop being lazy as we lay, we lay around on our couch doing nothing. You shouldn't have laughed there, Shelley. <laughs> Imposing, this, this is one I have fallen foul of here. Imposing work-life balance on other people, but they're not doing it myself. Telling your children to get off their phones whilst we then sit for hours scrolling on ours. Ah, this is hitting some, uh, yeah. Telling the children that stealing is bad, but then 
borrowing a pen or paper clips from the, uh, from the office stationery cupboard without returning it. There are many more that I could have said, but this gives us a flavour of the reality that the society we live in is one of double standards. Double standards. And the reality is this is highly damaging not just to us, but also to those in whom we do life, whether in work, family or friends. And this is why, after dinner, when thousands of people had gathered, could you imagine that? Thousands of people gathering, cramming in to try and see Jesus. What a sight. Thousands of people had gathered to hear Jesus speak. Jesus turns to his disciples and he says to them, Beware. Beware. Beware the leaven of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy in this situation. Now, just like last week when Jesus used the cup and bowl at the dinner table to make his point about the Pharisees and the scribes' greed and wickedness, here Jesus is using another common act which his disciples would have understood, this use of leaven. Now, leaven was in essence fermented dough, and it was uh, used to help raise, raise the dough itself up. And what would happen is a little bit would be left over from the week before and then filtered in and, and need whatever the technical term is, kneaded into, into the dough to help it rise. So Jesus here is using this picture as a way to warn his disciples of the effects, the hypocritical teachings and lifestyle of the religious leaders will have on those who follow them. Just like the leaven is spread through the fresh dough to help it rise and grow, if they were to follow the Pharisees' hypocrisy, they too will grow in the ways, their ways, and in their teachings, which will potentially lead them astray from the truth. And that would have dire consequences on them. And also on the leaders, but on them as people who are willingly following. This is why Jesus, last week we looked at this, one of his woes in verse 44, he says, Woe to you, for you are, and this is to the Pharisees and the scribes, woe to you, because you are like unmarked graves, and people walk over them without knowing it. In essence, you Pharisees are false. You're clean on the outside, and you make everybody look like you're clean on the outside, but you're dirty inside. That also needs cleaning. You're teaching one thing and you're doing another and encouraging people to follow your false ways. And if you haven't seen that service, then, you know, please, it's on, go back and watch it. And you'll see that within the wider context. But Jesus then moves on here to make a striking statement. He says in verse 2, nothing is covered up that will not be revealed or hidden. Nothing that will not be known. Therefore, this is where the consequence comes in. 
therefore, when Jesus says therefore, or the disciples or the apostles say therefore, our ears should prick up. We should take note. Therefore, whatever you have said in the dark shall. There's the absolute. It's not a maybe. It's a shall. Whatever you've said in the dark shall be heard in the light. And what you have whispered in private rooms shall be proclaimed on the housetops. Now we must be fair to the passage here and ask the question, is Jesus promising that the Pharisees' hypocrisy will be exposed? Or is he making a general remark that all people's hypocrisy, and not just hypocrisy, all things will be exposed? And I would suggest to you that because Jesus is... Um, is, is, is sharing his warning to the disciples and he doesn't specifically say that it will be the Pharisees that will be exposed. It's a general remark to all people, to them and to us today and everybody who may come after us. Now there are two primary truths that we can take from Jesus' statement here. The first... The first is that Jesus is giving insight into aspects of the character and power of an omniscient, omnipresent, all-knowing, all-powerful God in, uh, who created us and in whom we serve. There is nothing that any created person in history, in the present, or in the future, has done that God does not know about. Every muttered word under the breath, every thought and feeling that we have ever had or ever pondered, all is known and all is clear to him. He is there when we sit and scroll and look at only he knows what. He's there. Just because you're sitting in an empty room, don't think he's there. He's there when we do that. He's there when we we feel like we are alone in our in our in our desires and our fantasies. Oh, he's there. He's there. He's there when the when we sneak into the uh, the office stationery cupboard and just pinch pinch the pen. He's there. And we think no one is watching. He's there. No one can hide from him. No one can run from him because he made all things, he controls all things, and he is in and through all things. It's a bit of a It's a bit of a wake-up call, isn't it, when we remind ourselves of this. There is nowhere we can go, nowhere we can hide. It reminds you a bit of the, uh, uh, I'm I'm going into films now, you know, the all-seeing eye from Lord of the Rings, you know. It's that, you know, wherever you are, he's watching. The second truth is that Jesus' warning 
the one day God is going to expose everything, expose every person individually for whom we truly are, not on the outside, but also inside. Daniel proclaims in his vision, a stream of fire issued and came out from before him. A thousand thousand served him and 10,000 times 10,000 stood before him. The court sat in judgment and the books were opened. This vivid picture, but what is it giving us a picture of? In essence, the same thing Jesus is warning his disciples and that is about the day when all of this will be exposed. That day that sometimes we don't like to talk about, that day we often refer to as judgment day. This unavoidable, unavoidable event when humankind's deepest, darkest secrets are brought into the light. Isn't that what Jesus says in the passage? This day where we all, all humankind will give account of our lives before the creator God, what we did, what we didn't do, how we acted or how we didn't act in any given situation, what we said, what we should have said and what we didn't say. So as Christians, what did we do with the gospel message that was given to us? But also to non-Christians, what did they do with the gospel message that was offered to them? That will all come out. Or it will all come out. Now many of us in here will know a very vivid passage that, that gives us a, a picture, a, a window into what this is going to look like. I'm sure it does not go into as much detail as, you know, there's a lot more detail it could have gone into. But let's just read it. Revelation 20 from verse 11. Then I saw a great white throne and him who was seated on it. From his presence, earth and sky fled away and no place was found for them. And I saw the dead, great and small. Interesting pause there. He saw the dead, great and small. It doesn't matter whether you are the President of the United States or whether you are a homeless person on the street. All will stand before God. All will stand before God. It doesn't matter if you're Bill Gates or whoever is the, million, the top millionaire person these days. All will stand before God. I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne, and books were opened. Books were opened, i.e., the books about everybody's deeds throughout their life. Then another book was opened, which is the Book of Life, or is often referred to as the Lamb's Book of Life, the book of those to be saved. We could also say, and the dead were judged by what was written in the books according to what they had done and the sea gave up the dead who were in it. Death and Hades, 
In, here we go. This is an interesting thing to just to know. It's not just the physical earth. It is in the spiritual realm as well. Across the realms, this is going to happen. And the sea gave up the dead who were in it, and death and Hades gave up the dead who were in them. And they were judged, each one of them, according to what they had done. Then death and Hades themselves were thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And if anyone, and this, this should make our ears prick up, every single person in this room, particularly those who are on the journey of searching or have not yet given your life to Christ, our ears should pick up. And if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, they were thrown into the lake of fire. God have mercy upon the Pharisees and scribes that were Jesus at that dinner. We don't know whether they listened to Jesus' warning. We don't know whether they repented, whether they, they turned and said, actually, Jesus, you make a point. Let's go away and sort ourselves out and let's get back on track with some things. Who knows? Who knows? We may never, well, we'll I'm sure we might know one day. But what we do know is that Jesus did not want his followers to follow the destructive path of the Pharisees. Because not only will it come to light in them in, at this time where we are all just going to be exposed, but in that moment it, could be, it would have been catastrophic for their salvation. Now I think it's important to give a brief explanation as to what this day of judgment looks like for both those whom are rebellious toward God, who just don't want to know, but also to those of us who are faithful to Jesus. And in essence, the outcome of this whole event of Judgment Day depends on really one thing when we get to that point. One thing. Is your name in the Book of Life or is it not? Is your name in the Book of Life or it, is it not? That is the focal point. If your name is not in the book of life, you are cast in to fire. That's it. That's where you be for the rest of your days, outside of God's presence, which is a horrible thing to even consider. But if your name is in the book, then you're in God's presence for the rest of the days, for the whole of eternity. Praise God for that awesome gift. But let's briefly look at these a little deeper. So what about those who just live their whole life being rebellious toward God, don't want to know, choose to ignore the gospel message, don't take the tract or they take the tract out of your hands or they rip it up, throw it in the bin. Let's look at, you know, those who just reject, blatantly reject Christ. As we've seen in Revelation 20, the consequence for the unbeliever, for the one who has rejected Christ in this life, is that they stand already condemned by this point. They stand already condemned before God and destined for that lake. It doesn't matter how good they've been. It doesn't matter how nice they are and have been throughout life. 
whether they are outstanding citizens have been given the, the, you know, the, the Council Outstanding Citizen Award, yeah, won't matter. If they didn't repent for their sin and surrender their life to Christ through faith in him and receive the free gift, the free gift of salvation, then they stand condemned. If you look, uh, remember back to Revelation, uh, that verse I've just read, to, uh, Revelation 20 to verse 12, says that uh, they will be judged by what was written in the books according to what they have done. Oh, there will be people, there, there will be people whose books are full of amazing work, charity work, generous giving, helping the, the next door neighbour to, to do their shopping or fix whatever. There will, there will be people with full of that stuff, maybe even saved a cat from a tree and gone, they are done my good deed for the day. But unfortunately, there will be no amount of good works that can atone for sin. All their thoughts, all their words, all their actions will be judged against God's perfect standard and found to be lacking, lacking the standard required. There will be no reward for them, only eternal condemnation and punishment. That is why, that is why every single week, myself and others stand up here and continuously preach the gospel and continuously encourage us as a body to not be fearful, to be bold in sharing the hope that is within us. This is the reality. We are all heading for this day, for this event, this moment of judgment. Every single one of us. And I know there are people in my life that I do not want to be standing in that moment to be heard, your name is not in the Lamb's Book of Life. I know those people in my life, and I'm sure you do as well. But Christ would turn around and say, well, what did you do about it? The hope is in you, so what did you do about it? When you get down to brass knuckles, that's exactly what it's about. We know the people we want, we want in eternity with us. We have the answer. Why aren't we telling them? Is there people here today in this room who still haven't given their life to Christ? I don't mean at all with this to, to, to well, actually, no, that's a bit of a fib. I do hope that it fears you, it scares you. I hope that it does frighten you and you feel, what do I do? How do I, how do I overcome this? Because a momentary fear is a lot better than eternity outside of God's presence. Do not, do not go another moment without giving your life to Christ. Come and speak to us at the end of the service. Let, come to the prayer area. Let, let us help you on this journey. But do not take these words as some crazy bald-headed man at the front of a church just reading some words in a page. This stuff's serious, and we need to take it serious. But what about the believer? We haven't even got into the bean seat and the white throne and all that stuff because we just haven't got time today. So this is a very quick snapshot of overview, okay? For the genuine believer, and I, and I have underlined genuine in my notes, 
for the genuine believer, because friends, I've said this before and I'll say it again, do not think that every single person in this church who calls himself a Christian will end up in heaven. That is a shocking statement to make. But churches are full of people who say the right things and do the right things, but inside they do not have a relationship with Christ. Now, I don't know who they are. Christ does, because he knows all things. So for the genuine believer, judgment day is not an event to punish us for sin and rebellion, nor will we be condemned alongside the rebellious. If you read, don't, don't turn there, read, uh, uh, Romans 5.1 says this, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. The wonderful truth is that the one who has faith in Christ has already had judgment rendered. It's already been done. Through faith in Jesus, we have been justified and declared righteous by God on the basis, purely on the basis, of Christ's perfect work on the cross. Praise God. Praise God for that. That should be a moment of praising God. One quote put it this way, it is as if the final judgment that would have happened on Judgment Day has been rendered in advance. All who have faith in Christ are declared righteous and their names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life. They have nothing to fear on Judgment Day because their punishment has already been borne by Christ on the cross. Hebrews 9, 27, and just as it is appointed for man to die once, and after that comes judgment, so Christ, having been offered once to bear the sins of many, will appear on the second time, not to deal with, the sin, not to deal with sin, but to save those who are eagerly awaiting him. Who's eagerly awaiting Christ? Amen indeed. For the believer, the primary focus of that day in judgment for us is focused on our faithfulness to Jesus, what we did for him in this life, how we acted, what we said, what we thought um, as ambassadors for Christ and representatives of Jesus. That day of judgment for us isn't one about, of about our salvation. That's, that's not... That's not what it is for, for those who believe in Christ. But one of focus on our service to him throughout our lives. Not one of condemnation, but one of reward. On the very basic level, those who have genuinely given their life to Christ, we, we will spend our days of eternity. But Christ will look at every one of us believers and say, what did you do? What did you do with what I gave you? What did you do? You know, did you sit? Did you sit back and just, you know, just keep that message to yourself? No, you'll still, you'll still receive salvation. But the Bible talks of rewards, and it talks of rewards actually a lot in in the reference of crowns. I mean, that's going to be pretty awesome, isn't it? 
crowns. But he will look at us and say, what have you done? What have you done with the gospel message in your heart? In anticipation for that day, we should live our lives as Christians being careful in what we say, in how we act, and in what we do, making sure that every day we're striving to be as Christ-like as we can be with God's help, with the help of the Holy Spirit. We talk about that a lot, don't we? This journey of sanctification, becoming holy as Christ is holy. And that is a journey. We're going to get it wrong. We're going to mess up. That's okay. We recognise it. We say, listen, Lord, I'm sorry. Brother, sister, help me. We get back on the track. We carry on. It'll only ever come to perfection the day where we do join God in, in glory forever. When that, that glorification is what we call it. You don't have to be perfect. You've just got to keep trying to focus, keep encouraging each other on this journey of becoming as Christ-like as we can be. James gives us some words of wisdom in his letter. He says this, Speak and act as those who are going to be judged by the Lord gives freedom. Now that can quite easily be those who aren't Christians. But that still has a message in there for us. Speak and act as those who are going to be judged by the law that gives freedom. And in some respects, this passage has a canny undertone of the same warning Jesus was giving his disciples. Be careful. Watch yourselves. Because it's important. So what can we take from this? I just want to reiterate something that I mentioned last week, because, again, it is relevant within this same passage. Use wisdom in whom you are allowing to minister to you. We live in a society now, as I said last week, you could watch, you could watch 20 sermons on a Sunday afternoon if you want from all over the world, but do you know who it is that's giving those sermons? Do you know their lifestyle? Do you know, do they, are they practicing what they preach? Are they wrestling with the scriptures? Is it affecting their life? Are they the first and foremost? Because I tell you, this should be the case. Anyone who gets up to preach, it should be the preacher who feels the effect of what they are saying first before anyone in the congregation. We're not any higher than, than you on that. This still affects us, and quite rightly so. But you've got to be careful because how do you know that those people that you're listening to in, I don't know, America or Australia, doesn't matter, wherever, how do you know that they are like the Pharisees? Clean and amazing on the outside, but inside, they're leading you astray. You've got to be careful. You've got to be careful. But then... I want to just move on from that as we look to wrap this up and simply leave you with a challenge and myself, uh, I include in that, a challenge for every one of us to ask ourselves genuinely, am I wearing a mask? Am I wearing a mask? Am I play-acting? Am I playing the part 
saying one thing, doing another. Coming to church, all super holy, but then on Monday morning, that just goes out the window because we're slotting straight back into the world and what the world does. Am I being a hypocritical Christian? Am I truly, with God's help, living up to his expected standard for me? Don't worry about left and right. That comes. First and foremost, we have to look at ourselves. Am I living up to the standards that God expects of me? And if not, why not? Don't be afraid to challenge yourself. Don't be afraid to reach out and say, do you know what, I'm really struggling with this. Can you give me a help? Can you pray with me? Can you? Because our goal is to try to, to, to live to God's um, expectation on us. Not to work for salvation. I want to make that clear. We do not strive and work for our salvation, but this is becoming holy as Christ is holy. Okay? There is no excuse we are warned time and time and time again in Scripture for the things that we have to watch out for. If anyone says, I love God, who, who says I love God here? Who, who would say that? It's a statement that I know. Stick your hands up. Come on, let's be bold. I love God. Great. So this is relevant to us. If anyone says, I love God, but hates his brother, but hates their brother, hates their neighbour, Oh, it's just got real, isn't it? They are a liar. They are a liar. It's just Jesus' words. He who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. 1 John 4.20. Moving on. Before the practicing... Sorry, bef beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. That's something that can easily happen in a church. For then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven, Matthew 6.1. And James 1.26, if anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle their tongue, but deceives their heart, his heart, this person's religion is worthless. Pretty strong words. And probably the most famous Jesus talking about us judging the wrongs and sins of others when we do the same thing says, you hypocrite. You hypocrite. First, take the log out of your own eye and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother or sister's eye. And, and there is a lot more. There is a lot more. But it isn't just the effect on us in some respects the worst aspect of the, uh, this, 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 um, uh, us living a, 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 a life that is um, counter to what God wants, or in this, in this instance, living a life of hypocrisy, the worst thing is it destroys the validity of our witness before others. And don't be fooled, your friends know they know you're a Christian and they also know when you're going against something that you, that, that you shouldn't be doing. It just destroys the witness. They're not going to believe what you've got to say. Some examples might be 
engaging in crude conversations at work. I know that was a big challenge when I was uh, in management. Big challenge in the workplace. Hope it's changed. Drinking too much when we're out with our friends. That's a big thing, particularly those who are younger. Because it's the culture. You, know, you go out, you have a few beers, you know. But actually, if you love the Lord, you've got to be careful. Set the example. Nothing wrong with having a couple of beers. Know your limit. Do not go over the top. Lead by example. Gossiping around your non-Christian friends. Damaging. Watching, listening, reading those things that we know are contrary to Scripture. That's another tough one, particularly in this world of technology that we live in. Telling your children off of things that you do yourself. What witness is that, particularly in, in the Christian home? Road rage, when we should say grace, not giving to the poor, because we think they're going to abuse it, but then we easily go and abuse our own money ourselves. But don't get me wrong, thank God for his grace. Thank God for his mercy. Thank God that we, get we can get things wrong, and he says, it's okay, let's work on this again. Thank God that we, are, we have the ability to forgive each other when we mess up. I, I'm going to say this. I am going to let you down, people in this room, I'm going to let you down at some point. It, it's just what... I don't, I don't intend to do it like you wouldn't intend to do it, but sometimes we are just going to let each other down. We've got to be able to show grace. Yeah, we've got to be able to, be able to own up to that and say, listen, I messed up. I, I mean, Linda, bless her. You know, I, I did something for Linda... You know, which 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 make, gave her a bit of a you know extra work to be able to try and figure out how to how to get around this this mess up of mine. But she showed grace. That's that's how we that's how we work together. That's how we grow together. All these things and many more not only hinder us in our walk and the crowns we may receive one day, because as we have seen and as Jesus said, there is nothing that won't be brought into light and nothing that won't be proclaimed from the rooftops but more tragically our actions and attitudes can make or break whether someone comes to know Christ that's really the, 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 the you know what I'd really like us to take away yeah we know it for ourselves but it's what the effect of us living against God's word living hypocritical lives the effect on what it has on other people. Um, can I invite the band, the band up, please? But listen, I recognise that... I recognise this stuff is not easy. I mean, listen, if, if God wasn't a gracious God, he, Jesus would never have come to do what he did. He would never have come to give us the warnings that we have in Scripture... He wouldn't have given us time to be able to work on these things. He wouldn't have sent us the Holy Spirit to help us to overcome and work on these things. So we don't need to... We, are all, we, are, we all should have a healthy fear of God because he absolutely deserves that. We cannot comprehend him, really. But his love is absolute. And like like the love we have for a child and we want to see them grow and they're going to stumble, they're going to mess up. 
But we don't stop loving them. We don't stop showing grace to them. We just keep trying to, come on, I'll back, back, let's, let's do this again. Let's pick it up, do it again. That's what God's doing here. But we know there is a day coming where that will stop. That will stop. When Christ comes back, not as the, you know, Jesus meek and mild, as we said last week, he will come back as the warrior king, the judge of the world. So let us go into this next week just watching ourselves on a daily basis. Lord, how am I doing? Holy Spirit, show me the things in my life that maybe I, I, I am a bit more hypocritical on, I shouldn't be. Help me to grow. Watch out for each other. Support each other on these things. And I know this is meaty, so if there's anything that, that you are struggling with in your particular life, things that are contrary to God's word, don't go alone. Don't do this alone. We are all in the same boat in some way or the other. Come and speak to us. Let us help you on this. And a reminder again that the prayer area at the back there. Come, come and receive prayer. We all need prayer. I need prayer. We all need prayer. Amen? Amen. Thank you.
um, again, to encourage to go to the prayer corner. Um, people are more than willing um, to pray for you, and we'd love that honour. Um, if not, please join us for a prayer.